0: And gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday! I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today as a very magical buddy of mine, Jay Mattioli. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, Nick. Thanks for having me here. I love it's very warming the uh, the intro music uh to your to your cast. Very, very warming. It makes us all feel like we're buddies. Hey, everyone's a buddy on this
0: show. Yes. This is a show for everybody. B U D U A. Good,
1: good, so, good.
0: Yep. Well, I'm glad to meet you today. I'm glad to have you on this show. It means a lot to us today. We always love meeting new buddies and we always love just chatting, especially magicians, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what this is all about is uh, staying connected. Um, Mm -hmm. Doing all these shows, these uh, podcasts and interviews, it's kind of exploded, you know, during the pandemic time, but it's a way to really connect. And and I'll elaborate that you know, more, uh, as we talk, but it really has been a, a way to, uh, connect and kind of, as we were talking before, you know, moving forward, uh, it's really important. So doing these things serve a very important purpose, I think in our society right now. Bam. Exactly. And there's no better
0: time to do it. You know, when people are just cooped up at home, just waiting sure. for something to happen, you know, there's no better time than just to chat and t- chat about the old times, you know, what sure. we're looking forward to. So on that note, Let's talk about how you got into magic in the first place. Could you give us
1: like, can you give us- Uh, Yeah, no, uh, no big, giant, um, you know, funny, unique, crazy story. I was just always into magic. I have an older brother who's almost two years exactly older. So we always shared our birthday parties or whatever. And one year we had a magician. My mom hired a magician- and from then on, Magic was just always something in the household that we were interested in and talked about. And we would watch all the David Copperfield episodes Ooh. from from the mid-80s all the way all throughout. And I, I kind of grew up on that. Um, I'll be 40 years old this year. So the 80s and 90s is really the decades when I was a kid and most impressionable. And when it came to Magic, obviously, David Copperfield was was the top of that. And Michael Jackson was a big part of my childhood. I think as an entertainer, he was just very magical. Uh, he, it just seemed very magical. I think it all related. I was also a big fan of some comics and stuff. So it's Ooh. all kind of related to this like fantasy world where there's superheroes that somehow spread joy. You know, that, that's really, mm-hmm. that's really at the core of it. Right. What, what all these people I'm saying do, well, what do they do? Well, they make people feel joyful or they evoke an emotion and that's something that typically in normal life I guess when you're a kid you know you don't necessarily think that's something that regular people in your regular life do that that they make other people happy by doing things that no one else can do well that's what that's what those people impressed upon me when I was a little kid so
0: love it that was a great answer I love how you were. It's not just magic that influenced you. It was comedy, because I'm a practicing comedian myself. You know, it was people like Michael Jackson, because you're right. It all, everything that, you know, goes on just has that mix. Like, it's not just, is this your card? It's making a show out of it. It's making a show out of, sure. No, to say, I know exactly what card you were thinking right now. It's putting on that showmanship.
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 And it's also um, giving people hope. Uh-huh. And the way that I think uh, like entertainers can give people hope is that they do something that seems so impossible or is so magical or so beautiful or they invoke some emotion in you. They they do something that that the normal rest of the world would think, well, how does a person do that? And then when yeah. one of these people does it, when Michael Jackson would get on the stage and moonwalk and do this dance move that seemed impossible. And then when you saw the reaction it had to millions of people, you think, how did a human create that kind of reaction from people with a dance move? How did David Copperfield fly 20 feet away from my eyes? How did he fly across the stage? It gives people hope during times in very, in very difficult times. It gives us people hope that something impossible and wonderful can still happen. And I have evidence of something might be able to happen. And the evidence is I saw Michael Jackson do impossible things. David Copperfield do impossible things and impossible things. Good impossible things may happen again too. That's that's what magic does. It gives people that even if it's a small glimmer of hope, that something great and wonderful could happen, even though the odds show that it's not.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got two sayings. Number one, impossible is nothing, and number two, my life saying, great things come in small packages. So you're absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah, <You're> absolutely. <laughs> right. And who knows? Maybe one day someone's going to say, you know, I was watching Jay Mattioli on America's That Talent or something, and how does he do that? You know?
1: Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, people people get inspired by all kinds of things right and and that's what it is is if there was some little kid that saw me perform magic and it made him believe that maybe he can do something impossible too and it spreads joy to other people it's it's it becomes contagious and i think yes. if you narrow it all down it's all about giving people hope and yeah. that's what that's what this pandemic has revealed that people need hope and yes, I think I think the uh, the supporting cast of frontline workers during the pandemic. It's going to soon be revealed that it's entertainers. It's mm-hmm. you know I mean it, it's already happening. You know um, people watch tons of more content uh, of entertainment on on Netflix on and then eventually when everyone is going back to live entertainment. Um, you know, entertainers will give people hope that better things are ahead, that good things can happen, that we thought it was impossible. We thought this was over. And then now here's this guy singing a song and it's feel, you feel it in your heart, uh, you know, and a human created that emotion for you. It's, you know, it's creating that hope that something wondrous and amazing is going to happen. And magic, obviously at the core, that's, That's what it does. Um, So it's kind of cool when you think of it like that, you know, Mm -hmm. really really proud to be associated with people that do that. At least that's what good magic is supposed to do. It's supposed to give people hope, you know? Yes.
0: Yes, you are absolutely right. Now you talk about the pandemic and everything, and you're right. Like magic is giving the hope during the pandemic. What have you been up to with magic during the pandemic? Obviously, I know it's been a tough time for entertainers because you're I've had plenty of entertainers tell me like, Hey, before this pandemic hit, I had X, Y, and Z all lined up, all taken care of within a matter of like
1: one month. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's devastating, but you know, here we are 14 months into this pretty much at this point. Um, Very quickly. uh, I um, I've always, uh, even since I was a teenager, I always tried to keep a little bit of a business sense and, and realizing that, I'm so passionate about being a magician and an entertainer that in order for me to continue to do that, I have to figure out how to make revenue doing it. I'm not saying become rich, but I have to make revenue. I have to, the math has to add up somewhat, kind of sort of. So very quickly, I was a doubter the first few weeks, but very quickly, I, I put together a studio and very quickly, I reached out my 20 years of being an entertainer, I reached out to all the people I knew. And I said, Hey, I'm doing virtual shows, interactive shows, and I'll do them for pretty much any kind of event, kids parties, company parties, company meetings, company luncheons, holiday events, and we could do it interactively. And within a few weeks, I was very busy. And for the most part, I've stayed, I've stayed pretty busy. I've done well over 150 virtual shows. In fact, I just I just confirmed one for a company in Florida. Uh, like 30 minutes before we started, this wow. streaming. It, it's it's still happening. Um, mm-hmm. It was also a way to keep up my chops. Um, yeah. You know, everyone always says, "Oh, when you get back, when you get back to performing, you're going to be weird and it's going to be all goofy." And I never really had that goofiness. Now I am starting to do live in person performances more and more, although it's still nothing near to normal times yet. But, uh, I don't have that awkward cause I never got off the bike. In other words, mm-hmm. I continuously have been in front of people, even though it's been in a camera, I did notice right away doing virtual shows, that same adrenaline would come in when I would set a little countdown clock and a little video that would pop up on the screen, counting down 60 seconds, 30 seconds before showtime. I would get that adrenaline just like as if it was a hundred people in the room here, even though it was, you know, 30 kids in a classroom behind a computer screen, I got that same adrenaline and I realized the value in that, that like, I need to keep that. I need to be able to keep that feeling in, in front of people. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I've probably done close to 200 shows between live in-person shows and virtual shows since the pandemic begun, which has it's just keep, kept my chops, you know, uh, comfortable speaking yes. to be working on some new material. Um, and I also build some magic props for other ma- magicians. I build Ooh. a lot of things that I use in my show, so I was able to work on a lot of things. And then the the silver lining for me is I have – I have two kids, I have a wife, and normally 200 days out of the year, I'm not home. So the last year, I was home almost every day. Uh (laughs) So breakfast, lunch, and dinner with the kids pretty much every day, um, which was nice. And it's a, I recognize, I try to remind myself that this is a very important time in my kids' life because they're a kid, you know, in another six, seven years. The, the bulk of their growing up, you know, they might not want to hang out with me anymore, but now they do <laughs> mm-hmm. So, trying to take advantage of that. And at the same time, I'm still very busy. It's not like I'm playing with kids all day long. Um, but, um, I've kept busy. And again, what, what we were talking about just before we are went, I think the key is just keeping busy, just kind of, even if you have to kind of like force yourself, find something constructive to do. And then luckily enough, I've found enough constructive things that those things end up becoming a networking tool for other business related ventures <coughs> related to magic and this business. Again, I've been building a lot of magic props for other magicians. A lot of guys are getting back to work and doing these virtual shows. So I've still throughout the pandemic, I mean, I've still been putting my 50 hours a week into my magic and entertainment business consistently, even though, Mm -hmm. Might not be making the same money as we used to, but I think, I think this was important so that as the economy, as everything rebounds from the pandemic, I am in tune, I'm in tune with keeping in touch with my clients and I'm in tune with my, my skills as an entertainer speaking, uh, speaking in front of people and, you know trying to be able to relate to people because I do these kinds of things in front of the computer if not as much in live in person I do a lot of these things in front of a, in front of a camera now where I know there are other people watching this in real time so I think that was important to recognize that early on and I was very lucky to recognize the value in these things and just sometimes force myself to just stay busy with it
0: love it love it how you've taken this pandemic and got you know not like okay, this is a moment of rest or what do we do now or something? But you've literally just taken it and have gone, like you said, you yeah. never got off the bike. You never got off, you know, you never, you never quit. You just go, okay, how can I modify this? Like, how can I make this different? That's what we need to do. Cause so many people nowadays are taking this pandemic, like just, uh, yeah, let's, let's just take a short intermission or something. Yeah.
1: I, I didn't really take an intermission. I mean, all, almost out of fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I started running as fast as I can, and I have a few close friends. And when we started doing the virtual stuff, I told them, hey, guys, my motto is as fast as I can get these virtual shows to market in front of people. I'm not going to wait and spend months of research. Nope, let's just get in there and start doing it and see what it's like. And th- that would be the fastest way to learn. That would be the fastest way to generate more viewership, more more bookings of doing is just get in there right away, right away. And I'm like Mm -hmm. that on on a lot of things with in life, just very much. um, I might not be best at everything, but I'm very quick to jump into something and at least try it out. And then, you know, kind of learn from the failures from that and modify it as I go rather Mm -hmm. than quietly prepare, 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 and eventually put it out. I'm much quicker to jump into the poison freezing cold water <laughs> first uh but i think mm-hmm. i i i still will stick to saying that i benefited from that even though i know there's other ways of doing things i i think i but i for me it was the right way to handle things it's just very quickly just get involved and get a taste of it very quickly
0: 100 percent. so now i know you've still like you've said you've said like um you non-stopped but are things still picking up for you are things like now that the restrictions are getting easier now that we have a
1: vaccine. Yeah. 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 I'm starting to fill, um, live events, summer events Mm -hmm. in my calendar. Um, I think it's still probably a little early for, for some venues who would normally hire live entertainment to make decisions for the summer or the late summer. Um, I think right now we're in April it's, and with the, the, the vaccine going out, I think we're still a little early to see whether or not everything in the summer how how well it's going to be. I'm hoping it's going to be good. I'm hoping it will be better than next summer. Next summer, I did have uh, uh, some live events. Of course, it wasn't nothing close to what I would have normally had. So I'm hoping this summer, uh, it will return a little closer. But I am. I mean, I've already got a dozen dates in my calendar for vacation resorts and summer camps and uh, things like that. So I am counting on a, a rebound. It might not be a 100% rebound, but I, I will, I am hoping for a, a big turnaround compared to, you know, say this winter or this fall, fall or even this spring, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to rebound more. And there's been some evidence of seeing that. Just to start mm-hmm. to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Now let's take a travel back to you, glo- like to the, to before the pandemic times, let's take a travel back. I call them the glory days in some cases, you know? Sure. You have done, from what I've seen, some traveling. Like you've done some magic internationally. Can you tell us a little bit about that or so?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I've I've performed in over twenty different countries for all kinds of events um, on cruise ships, uh, for corporate events, for public ticketed magic shows. I was uh, part of the cast of the first ever public show in Kuwait um i've performed in egypt in hong kong in the uk uh for all kinds of events uh, for u.s troops in the middle east uh it was for a navy base um and again all these things kind of over the course of 20 years of being involved in this business and networking and marketing and working on your craft and you know being in touch connecting you know Mm -hmm. people um yeah, I mean, I don't really miss traveling so much. Uh again, all throughout the pandemic, I have been doing some shows and it has required me to travel, but by car, usually within a hundred miles or a, a mm-hmm. few hundred miles. So I've I've still had a taste of being in a van for hours at a time, getting on a plane and figuring out how I can fold up as much things I can to fit in two suitcases. I don't really miss that. I don't miss that. It's always uncomfortable for me and I've done it many times, but it's still always uncomfortable because I am still a slave a bit to, to the props, you know, without any props, I'm not a guy that could just come in with a, a makeup kit bag and do an hour show for a thousand people. I just, I just, I don't understand how you can do that. how, you just can't. Uh, the truth is you you can't unless you're really like a stand-up comedian. You you really can't mm-hmm. unless 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 you have a lot of other technical support, sound, lights, AV, projection screens, special effects and yeah, sure, I guess, you know, but to travel to a foreign country with two suitcases of really strange-looking props if TSA or airport security opens your suitcase, to them it's very suspicious-looking things and having that feeling i don't miss mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure i'm sure i'll return to it you know at some point as things recover but i don't miss i don't miss the the traveling uh so much um mm-hmm. not really um but yeah um, and it's uh, it's been an, an adventure and i and i and i plan on this adventure continuing um but uh, visiting different countries there's always um you know that fear of the travel, the suitcases get lost along the way, right? Did the bags done that? Uh, if you're in a country where English is not the dominant language, will they understand you? Can you can you can you break it down enough with using very little or no words so that everyone can understand? Um, you know, those are always things to things to consider. Um, so yeah, um, I'm sure eventually I'll return to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of, one of the coolest experiences of uh, performing in, in uh, different countries is uh, meeting other performers who converge on the venue where you're performing. Like I've performed at some festivals. Um, I did a show in Malaysia for three plus months with other magicians, uh, other events where there was jugglers and like specialty acts. And it's really cool when you see other people from other countries who also traveled with two strange suitcases full of strange things. And when everyone kind of opens their suitcase and you say, oh, look, look at this gypsy. He's from Germany and he, he's he got kind of strange things in his suitcase too. It's kind, of, I, I, To me, I was always fascinated and I always felt a sense of comfort when I would bump into another variety performer on the road in a different country when I would see, oh – they look like a hobo too with a strange suitcase of oddball things that that's how they're going to live for the next week out of this suitcase and these props. That's how they're going to survive. That's how they're going to earn their money. That's how they're going to entertain people. Even if the people don't speak their language, I always felt a sense of camaraderie when I would you know, meet other entertainers on the road in different countries. So I do miss that. I was kind of, I have good memories of those kinds of things. Love it. And you have quite the resume there. Like with everywhere you've been
0: and, as much as you don't miss the travel. You gotta it. It's just, you know, doing shows in Egypt, you know, all that stuff. That's pretty amazing. I will say that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I'm very uh, lucky to have had these experiences and I mm-hmm. hope to have them again, but I, I think I would have no regrets if, if it all ended now, you know, I've, I've been all over the world enough that I felt like I, I at least got to do it, you know, you and paid I, your I I yeah. hope it well I hope it continues, but I, I do feel very grateful that I, I had that experience. I have that memory of mm-hmm. you know, I got to do and I know you know not everyone gets these opportunities. So I'm very thankful that I had those opportunities. You paid your dues, you've had your fun, now you're yeah. Now you're to... Well yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to, I've got to do, I've got to try like lots of uh, different things. And, and I kind of know what I like more than others, you know, and, and certain things, mm-hmm. if I don't get to do them again, it's not a big loss. Again, sitting mm-hmm. on an airplane for 10 hours, uh, I've, I've done that, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know how much more exciting it's going, it's going to get, especially yeah. now post pandemic, how will that change? international travel like how much more of an inconvenience will it be for entertainers specifically or people who are traveling on business not leisure but business when you have to get from destination a to b in a certain amount of time how much more inconvenient is the pandemic going to put on people that have to do that i'm not terribly looking forward (laughs) to discovering it but i'm sure eventually i will Hmm.
0: Now, one other thing that was on your resume was you've been on some shows, including shows like America's Got Talent. Can you tell us a little bit about those?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all just like a big. You know, you, you think of it as uh, it's promotion for for you and your business. You know, and mm-hmm. it it could be a platform. It could also just be for the experience. Um, but uh, I did America's Got Talent back in two thousand nine, and I will say uh, the The thought back on it in the moment, I, I, I wasn't really 100% all in. Mm -hmm. I, I was, I was more focused on, well, I'm just, I'm lining up shows, but I wasn't, I wasn't thinking of the big picture of how important and how much the power of celebrity could be. Cause that's essentially what, what becomes of it, right? If people recognize you and they recognize you because you were on television or in movies, it's well, you're a celebrity now. And the power of celebrity here, at least in North America, I mean, it's crazy, just crazy. And I didn't, I didn't really consider that so much in the moment until it was too late and the experience ended, you know, for me already. But I'm glad I did it. Uh, uh, You know, I would do some things differently uh, had I had an opportunity again. Uh, But those things are very stressful because, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in there. Unlike from what I hear, uh, uh magicians that go on pen and tell or fool us, uh, the crew is there only to make sure that you look as good as you can look. America's Got Talent, you know, you are a third party person, uh, and and these other competition shows, so they need some acts to not do well. I mean, the sake, the drama of the show requires that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's in the back of your mind that am I one of these acts that is you know, what if I mess something up? Are they going to elaborate on that? So I can be the character of the guy that bombed type thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, (laughs) so that's like, so stressful, (laughs) you know? Um, so I'm not sure how much I would be able to tolerate those kinds of things anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but it was good. I, I wear, I wear those experiences like a badge of honor, um, knowing that, Hey, I did it. I got up in front of Uh, a Harlem audience at Showtime at the Apollo uh, in Harlem in New York City in front of a notorious crowd who is there specifically to either cheer you on or boo you off stage. Yep. And cold, I just walked out and I did 90 seconds and it went really well. Uh, I did it, done, done. I don't think I need to do it again. I don't want to roll the dice on that one. Uh, You know, those, those kinds of things. Uh, So now I remember there would be occasions after I would have these experiences of being on a television program. I would have an experience of doing some private event somewhere, and maybe it was a high stress situation. Maybe it was, you know, kind of a big event, a big fancy corporate event. And the second I would start to get nervous, I'd be like, I would tell myself, Jay, You were on Showtime at the Apollo, that crowd that booed off all those people right after you and before you, you went out there and you did well. This is a walk in a park, take it easy. And then all of a sudden I would calm down and I'd go out and I'd do my show, you know? So I kind of think back on those stressful situations and say, I got through that. I can get through this, whatever the situation is. Mm -hmm. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere yeah if you can survive there then you can survive anywhere exactly Um,
0: uh, exactly now i always i always ask this question any magician that comes on our show do you have any funny stories for us that you can share about a time of performing like anything that just sticks out to your head audience appropriate of course you know uh
1: anything funny um I mean, it's not really funny. I've had some kids, I think it's happened twice, some kids peed on stage when they were uh, helping me. Uh, wasn't necessarily funny, but I recognized what was happening and I quickly got the kid off stage. And I uh, I, I don't think majority of the audience noticed, uh, but like, yeah. things like that have happened before. Um, especially when you do a lot of work with, with kids, because kids kind of, they get into something before they realize maybe this is not something I wanted to do, but they, they will just continue sometimes. Yeah. They'll continue to go through the motions. And most of the time you could pick up signals as to "Mm, they're uncomfortable, but there's been a few times where I just didn't really pick it up until it was too late. You know, um, I had one time I was doing a birthday party. This was I want to say 15 or 20 years ago I was just performing at a private birthday party, a family party, lots of people crammed into their house and I was just not paying attention. I was doing a cut and restored rope and I cut the end of my thumb like a nice little hunk. I just I just snipped it off. Ouch. <laughs> and I'm bleeding like Quickly, I thought at first, like, oh, it's not that bad. I'll just I'll hold this little paper towel. And within 20 seconds, blood is just dripping down everywhere. And it was a nightmare and it was terrible. Mm. We had to pause the show for like a half hour the kids i think they end up doing doing like the birthday cake or something like that after the cake yeah 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 because my thumb was just too bloody to continue uh it's not it's not really funny it was actually terrible in the moment uh for me it was just so embarrassing but it's Uh, something you look back at and you laugh at like you can't just help but laugh yeah now i look back on it and laugh but Up until, like, a couple years ago, it still was not funny. It was just pretty embarrassing. Um, But things like that happen. Um, You know, you hope real serious things don't happen, but Mm -hmm. things happen, uh, go wrong all the time. And I'll say one thing on a a side note, like, speaking of things going wrong, I know you asked for funny things, but um, Mm – Constantly, there are small little things going wrong or not going as 100% planned. And I think um, a good entertainer who, again, has been doing in the flow of doing these things, you can quickly make small adjustments throughout the performance. And they might be the smallest little things. You drop something and you pick it up quickly, and it just doesn't, it doesn't skip a beat. That happens all the time. You're making small adjustments all the time. I still do magic with dubs, for example. And when you're working with small animals, uh, with animals, you're like an animal trainer. You know, um, again, the audience might not see it like that. But in your mind, the mechanics of making the magic happen at this point is automatic. You're more concerned with the animal trainer side of it is mm-hmm. keeping the animals tame and doing what they were trained to do and making sure they're happy and healthy as they're doing it. And when mm-hmm. you work with animals, it doesn't always work perfectly smooth every single time. So the mark of the of the good animal trainer is you're constantly just making little adjustments to compensate things that might not have gone exactly as planned. And I will, Yeah, I will I will say like that's um things going wrong all the time it's like you, you, you get used to it. And then even in real life, when I have conversations with family members and they describe a situation where something went wrong and they're devastated, I'm like, Oh, that's not that big of a deal. Just keep going, but you know, just adjust and keep going, you know? And I think it's because, you know, as an entertainer, you, you just get used to just constantly making small little adjustments, you know? Um, mm-hmm.
0: Have you ever had one of those, like when things don't go right, like for example, with the animals, like the dove in the pan trick, where, Maybe the duck doesn't, doesn't fly out of the pan, but
1: rather flaps straight to the floor or something. Oh like that. yeah, I mean those things happen all the time. Yeah, yeah, all the time. I mean, hopefully they're not you know like major things, but like little things. You know, the bird didn't perch on your finger; it flew four feet to the side. Well, I quickly took two steps and I and I got it and I brought it back. I mean, yes, yeah, just quickly thinking on your feet, making small, and it's usually just small little adjustments. You know, mm-hmm. and being able to do that very quickly and constantly that just comes from years of just repetition, mm-hmm. of
0: doing
1: it, you know? Um,
0: I also, also got to ask, how did you like, how do you travel with the animals? Like, how do you get them? Like, uh,
1: I don't, I've done it, uh, only a couple of times of, uh, getting on an airplane with, I just, yeah. uh, I still keep the doves. I still think it's, uh, it's a viable part of, of the show. Um, it's getting harder and harder, but, um, at this point, I, I only travel with them if it's a if it's a show I'm driving to. And probably, probably in normal non-pandemic times, 75% of the shows I do are shows that are within 1,000 miles of where I am. I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. So oh, I would nice. say 75% of my business is on the eastern half of the United mm-hmm. States.
0: Good. Nice. Hey, quick question on that. If you're in the D.C. area, are you an all D.C. sports fan by chance? A little bit. Yeah, I see you're the, you're. Well, they're now the Washington. Uh, now they're football. the
1: Washington football. We we don't know what they are. Uh, yeah. I think they will still be the Washington football team, but that's still TBA. Um, but do you uh, follow the Capitals? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah, are oh, you a big Caps fan? Yeah. Yep. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, so I, I only awesome. start to I only start to pay attention usually like in like May. You know when it's playoff, playoff time, high. basically. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But other than that, uh, well, I love.
0: As a wizard, you got to tell me you're a Wizards fan.
1: Uh, not, not so much. Not so much. I tried to get on the bandwagon 20 years ago when Michael Jordan joined yeah. the Wizards. And, and I just – it just, you know what? It just wasn't my thing anymore. Even basketball. Yeah, that's what got me into you know, them,
0: and it's been a heartbreak ever since. So I totally understand.
1: Like it's- Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, I enjoy football. And I was thinking, uh, why, why do I enjoy watching football so much? Um, I just enjoy that time of year when the weather changes, it starts to get cooler and mm-hmm. we have all the, the run of the big holiday season come up to it and it all interlaps with the football season. And, and if I happen to have a, a Sunday off, I'll just sit in front of the TV all day with some snacks and some beer, a deck of cards on the side and just all day, just kind of fart I around. Can just, I can just picture you like shuffling the cards in your hand, wait for it. Go, go, go. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. 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 Um, I, 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 it's another thing. I mean, that's another thing. Right. It's somewhat related watching sports a little bit like you see these athletes do things that, you know, especially when you're an entertainer or an athlete. You know, the amount of pressure and scrutiny they're under and how difficult it is for them to not get crushed by these 300 pound guys. Yet sometimes they do, they defy all of the odds and it it gives you a little hope that maybe you too can do something impossible and make spread that in, spread that sense of hope as well. So I like, I like cheering for the underdog, you know, when these games too, as well, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's. Finding that little shred of hope, you know. Yes, you
0: are absolutely correct, and you're right. There always, there always are those sport moments that make you feel like, how would they do that? Like the helmet catch, for example.
1: You yeah, know? yeah, it's yeah, just, sure. Like,
0: how the world, like even like, sure. uh, what's his name? Steve Carell was like. The the
1: laws of physics. Uh Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, those kinds of things. How how do they catch a football that was thrown 40 yards and they they caught it with the side of their helmet? You know, things like that. You know, things, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember as a little kid watching Michael Jordan and the Bulls are down by like 12 points and there's a minute and a half left. It's not going to work. They're not going to do it. And then, boom, three three three-pointers in a row. Two field goal. I mean, it just it it again keeping that sense of hope and magic gives that because that's what it's all about, right? We apparently do these impossible things. Yep.
0: Um there's a saying in sports that I think relates to magic too. It goes it's not over until it's over. Yeah, sure. Sure. It's like magic yes. magic the trick isn't over
1: until you say it's over. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sports are very much uh it's not mm-hmm. over how many times have we seen the an underdog come back, you know, last minute. Right. Um, hey, the well,
0: New England Patriots were down what nine to thirty something at the, at like the halftime of Super Bowl,
1: of, right? Like, the Falcons right. because we needed another Patriots Super Bowl exactly here. exactly <laughs> uh,
0: exactly. But now I'm going to ask you three questions that I always ask my buddies that come on the show. I don't call them guests; I call them buddies. Sure. The first one is in your own words: What does it mean to be someone's buddy?
1: Uh... I always think someone's buddy, um, someone who you can just chew the fat with, you can BS with, you can joke around. Someone who will get you if you talk with some slang or some sarcasm, they get it, they appreciate it. Uh, and if and if you need a favor, they're quick to say, "Yeah, I can help you out." Uh, you. A buddy to me, that's what that's what it's a, it's a lighthearted hearted um, type of thing where someone that that can easily get along with me. That's my buddy. You know, he's cool. He gets me. I get him. Those are buddies, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. that's what I think of when I
1: hear the word buddy.
0: Love it. And part of being a buddy is being a charitable buddy. So if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what
1: would it be? And why? Uh, uh, Something, uh, something with the youth, you know, we see, um, as much as we're talking about hope and things, we we see a lot of terrible situations uh, involving youth in society, particularly here in the United States. Youth somehow involved in shootings and in violence and and things like that. So if if there was something that people could could participate in is something to help guide youth. Maybe you know maybe you and I have been in a better situation where we had some parental guidance that skewed us away from some things that could have been detrimental to ourselves mm-hmm. as we get older. Well, there are a lot of kids that don't have that appropriate guidance. So if you can be a buddy to some, to, to a child, to a youth, if you can be part of a big brothers, big sisters foundation where you can spread some positive influence on someone who maybe doesn't have that many positive role models in their life. That's, that's where I would put all my, uh, all my attention towards because it's heartbreaking uh, when you see some of the things that some of the youth get involved in. And, and I, I feel bad for them. And I think of where's their parents? Where was their family? How did they uh-huh. get to this point? And I think they, they just need better influences in their life. So if you can be a buddy to one of these young people, I, I think that's what we need. So that's where I would go with that. Bam. Love that answer.
0: You're right. It's not just something like where you are just, here's, 50, here's a $50 donation. No, it would be
1: more time, spending time. with Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what they what need. That's what it's need. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing positive things, you know? Um, yeah, Exactly.
0: Now, I'm going to I I'm going to ask you two more questions. Sure. The first one is what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready for this though? Ready. To anyone who wants to be a magician out there, what is your advice to them?
1: Um just go out there and just start doing it. Um I'll try to make this as brief as as possible, but my advice is just get in front of people, and I know during the pandemic that's very difficult. Get in front of people, whether it's zoom and also, uh, just executing, you know, a goal. If you want to learn this new trick, uh, stop putting it on the back burner, get that book or whatever it is, a video and learn that trick and put in the practice for, and and, and don't procrastinate, just go and just do it. Just no excuses. Just do it. Just don't worry if you fail. Just get out there and repeat. Just do it. Do it. Do it as much as you can. I'm a big fan of the show Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People will say I'm a sellout. And one of the guys on the show, one of the uh, sharks, is Robert Hershevik. and he's got he's got a good, very back good good story where he comes from. And he said something a few weeks ago that really resonated. He said he knew he recognized that he was not talented, which I think is not true. But he said he recognized early on he did not have very much talent. So he decided that he was going to just have to execute better than everyone else. And that is so, so important. That resonated with me so much. I might not be the best magician, the best dad. I might not be (laughs) all of these things, but I show up. I deliver it might not be might not have been the best but I will I will show up I will deliver I will get from A to B and I think having that attitude in life as well as in your magic just showing up and just doing it even if it even if it needs work okay you continue to work on it but to stand on the sidelines of life and not participating because you're thinking I'm not ready or I'm getting ready I'm I'm going to fiddle a little more. Oh, it's hard for me to get to that basketball practice because the the court is on the other side of my neighborhood and I don't feel like walking and uh, stop the excuses. You just got to go from A to B and when you get to B, you go from B to C. Um uh, I'm very lucky that I kind of just stumbled into that maybe out of stupidness or being ambitious, but I I very quickly tried to just accomplish small little goals. I wanted to learn a trick. I literally bought the book or the instructions, and I practiced it very, very quickly. And over a few days, it got comfortable enough that I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start doing this in front of people and just just start doing it." Um, sometimes people live with this fear of just getting their feet wet, and I'm I've been very much of just go out and just start doing it. Just start doing it. No reservations. Uh, no procrastinating. Just go from A to B. And then when you get to B, then you work on going from B to C. And um, sometimes people get caught up with the big picture. How am I going to go from A to Z? It's such a far journey. I understand. The way you're going to get there is one foot at a time. Go from A to B. You got it? Good. Now, Now work on going from B to C. Keep trying. You got it now from C to D. So I kind of I kind of stumbled into that philosophy, you know, especially over the last 20 years of, of being an entertainer. So that would be my advice is just go out there and start and start doing it. Set little goals out, make them little goals that you can accomplish, that are accomplished. And maybe altogether they become this really big goal, but may break it down into little steps from A to B, B to C. Whether it's practicing some sleight of hand, whether it's figuring out how to book birthday parties, whether you want to be a cruise ship magician one day, just get out and and start working on the small steps to get you there. Rather than saying, ah, it's kind of big, I'll I'll, I'll kind of figure that out a little later. No, no later. You can start working on it now. Right here, right now.
0: Uh, Are you a fan of the movie Rocky Balboa? Oh, like, very nice. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like they say in the new Creed movies, one step at a time, one punch at a time, one round at a time.
1: That's right. It's very much like that. Life is, it's It's a marathon. It's not It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. However, you're not going to get across the finish line if you never take those steps. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was all about having an urgency to at least start to take some steps. But one not- one in front of the other. Yeah. And just, and yeah, and just, just begin to take those steps and don't, I didn't, I didn't, I never liked the idea of kind of waiting around and letting my thoughts just kind of gather. Not, not that much. Just say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, gather some thoughts and then start going. And along the way you will have to make adjustments on things, whether it's projects around the house or projects in your business life or in your life as an entertainer or in your personal life. Yes. You'll make adjustments along the way, but I, I was very much of, I can get from A to Z and someone else might be able to do it better than me, but you might be waiting around a long time for that person. And that kind of motto, I, I think I have benefited a lot from is let's just go from A to B, B to C, just, just keep going there. And along the way. Other people get sidetracked and they stop and they just completely stop. And I've, I've always been very much, well, let's, let's continue to go forward. Where, where do we go for? What's the next step? You know, even mm-hmm. when you fail on things, okay, I failed. What's the next step? How do we move forward from here? That's what Disney says. Keep moving forward. Yeah. 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 It's very important.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Now, you know how we have to close out this show. I think, would you be willing to give us a little demonstration of the magic?
1: Sure, sure. Let's do a little, little bit of magic, N- uh, Nick. We we talked about this at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the pandemic interacting, um, yes. doing, doing virtual magic shows. It, it has really, really been something that I was not going to expect. How very interactive it is. How much you could connect with people. People that I normally my, our paths might not have ever crossed had this pandemic ever happened. So you know, and in a way, we're we're getting to connect with with one another. I also mm-hmm. want to see how how intuitive you and I are now that we've been talking. And in fact, Mm -hmm. the way that I want to figure that out is um, over the holidays, I was doing a lot of virtual shows and my two little boys for Christmas. They, they know I'm again, a child of the eighties and nineties. They got me this, uh, this team Jordan uh, hat. So I want to see Nick, if you can determine how much did my children save out of their piggy bank and spend on this hat. In other words, how much do my kids love me? whatever price Whatever price you tell me, I'm gonna write it down here. But give give me a, a value, a price on how much do you think my kids spent on this hat for dear old dad for Christmas as a gift? Seventy nine dollars. Seventy nine. I wish they loved me a quarter of that much. Seventy nine dollars. Nick, do you want to get any more detail? Did you want to add any cents to that? Seventy nine dollars. Any cents? $79.99. Seven, I love it. $79.99. Now, Nick, I could not have known that you were going to say $79.99. If only my children really did love me, $79.99 worth. But the truth is, I'm going to be honest, My ki- I'm Italian, which means my kids are are Italian. So my Italian children, I think, uh, found this hat falling off the back of a truck, if you get <laughs> what I mean. Because when I say falling off the back of the truck, I don't think they, they spent anything on it. Um, and the reason why I don't think that they spent 79 or anything on it is because they left that j- big, hunky security tag that is on like expensive clothing at the store, and it's, it's still on the hat. If I take off the hat and I show you, uh, you'll see the big, hunky tag is still right there. Uh, you'll also notice behind the tag is the price, the price tag. Wow. $79.99, exactly as your intuition predicted. Oh my goodness. Now, now, if only they spent that much money on it. Again, I don't think they spent anything on that, on this gift for dear old dad. But you see how we can connect. You didn't know that you were on this same wavelength, but just speaking, even though we're hundreds of miles away, just speaking to each other this medium can bring us together. And this is how we can still have a good time and entertain each other. That
0: was awesome.
1: For easy, one, easy. I'm going on the prices right now. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You should test your luck on the prices, right? You may have a knack for this.
0: Yes. But for two, thank you so, so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. It was a joy to meet you stick around yeah. for a minute. We'll chat afterwards. But, You're welcome, Nick. Yes. For all my buddies out there, this is my new buddy, Jay. And, Jay, I have one favor to ask you before we close out the show. Please, do me a favor and go be someone's buddy today.
1: I will do that right
0: now. All We'll catch you all next time here on Everybody's Favorite Buddy Buddycast. When the days are going fast, buddy, buddy
1: with a- Got to make them laugh, buddy, buddy for they've all gone past. But everybody tune in to buddy cast. Don't feel like it can make everybody yeah, here on
0: Buddycast. Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. And here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, You have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.